Welcome to the One Climbs Podcast, a show about exploring life through the lens of theology, scripture, symbolism, and ideas that uplift the human mind. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. We have Jane Birch, and we're going to be discussing discovering the word of wisdom and learning a little bit about her story and some of the things that she's done on her journey. And I think it's going to be a great discussion, and I'm really looking forward to what she has to say on some of these issues. So welcome, Jane. Thank you so much, Steve. It's really a pleasure to be speaking with you this evening. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Thanks for the work you're doing. Thank you. And it, it's been, I'm trying to think of how many years it's been since we first made contact. I, I remember you reaching out to me uh, through my blog and you were uh, telling me about your book. I don't even remember. Um, I certainly do that or did that in the past, but I don't really remember how we connected, just that it was quite a long time ago. And then I had the pleasure of uh, hosting your story about the word of wisdom on my website. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was like 2014. And the one thing I remember is that you did share your book because I have it right in front of me right now. I still have it. So it's full of notes and all kinds of good stuff. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, but before we, we discuss the book a little bit, do you want to go through and kind of tell your story? So how did you come? So you, you have this book, Discovering the Word of Wisdom. You have a website, discoveringthewordofwisdom.com. And then you wrote a whole series of articles on the Word of Wisdom from Meridian Magazine, which I really, really enjoyed and I thought were pretty outstanding. So what was the catalyst in your life that brought you to exploring this subject and then producing all of these different resources? Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, it's interesting because this is certainly never anything I pursued. I've always been interested in good health, and our family was interested in eating healthy foods. When I, I remember when I was a teenager, I went through a spell where I was quite sick. I had um, hypothyroidism, and my brothers had various illnesses, and my mother was quite concerned. And somehow she got turned on to the use of supplements. I was a teenager at the time. I didn't understand what's happening, but she felt like we all got dramatically better using these supplements. And after some time, um, she realized, wait a minute, the nutrients in those supplements, they're in foods. We can just eat better foods. I think before then, she must not have thought at all about food, but we tried to eat better foods, more fruits and vegetables, and she felt like our health did better. So I always had this idea about how important health is. And sometimes in the health food store, I'd read those books and I'd get very, very inspired. Um, you know how it is. You read one of those books and you're just going to you're gonna do better for like the rest of your life. And yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would last for a certain period, but kind of die away. Um, throughout my adult years, I tried to eat better, but I think I tried to eat better like the average American tries to eat better. You got this idea of what healthy food is. You try to eat better, but heck, there's all this other food around and it's very yummy and people have made it already. So you scarf all that up as well. So 
in point of fact, I don't think I really ate that much better than the average American, if at all. And um, didn't really think a lot of it unless, except for those times where I gained excess weight, which did did happen. So I wasn't really thinking about diet or food or the word of wisdom that much. But I did have another health issue that was very serious um, that lasted for a good 10 years. I had some severe leg pain that was quite crippling at times. And in, by the year 2011, I was um, going to turn 50, and I'd lived with this leg pain for quite some time and just was getting sick of it and just wanting to come to some answer. I'd been to many, many specialists. Finally, I found a doctor who gave me a correct diagnosis. I learned I had hip dysplasia, which is a genital disorder, and that the only um, remedy was um, a total hip replacement. Oh, wow. And this was this was really devastating to me. So I remember that summer of 2011. This was what I was wrapped up in thinking about this impending surgery. So I wasn't thinking about food. I wasn't thinking about diet. I certainly wasn't thinking about the word of wisdom. Um, I knew those things wouldn't correct my problem. And I learned about um, a, a way of eating called whole food plant-based purely by chance. And, and now, of course, in retrospect, I, I believe it was a message from God. But um, a friend was um, over my house and happened to have the TV on. I never watched TV, so I would never have it on, but she had it on. And it showed the preview um, for a program that would be on CNN called The Last Heart Attack. Hmm. And uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, the good CNN doctor, was hosting the show. And I thought it sounded really quite outlandish, The Last Heart Attack. I was well aware heart disease is the number one killer in the West and around the world. And um, I thought he'd be, you know, kind of debunking whatever this was. Right. So I was quite I was quite interested when he was interviewing the various doctors and they were saying kind of outlandish things like don't eat any animal foods, don't eat anything with a face. I thought, oh my heavens, that's really radical. Here come the uh, crazies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I thought, wow, that's just, you know, what's going on here? But you know, Dr. Gupta treated them with respect and actually seemed to seemed to be um agreeing with what they were saying. And the results that they were getting were certainly very amazing. And even though I didn't personally have any risk factors or, or many risk, I had some risk factors, but not many risk factors for heart disease, I thought maybe I should look into this way of eating. So that very morning, it's a Saturday morning, August 2011, um, right after my friend and I enjoyed a big breakfast of omelets. I got on the internet and I started researching this way of eating. And um, I was very quickly impressed and deeply moved by what I learned. I quickly learned it really wasn't just heart disease. It was most other chronic illnesses that could be prevented or at least dramatically dramatically reduced through eating a completely different diet. Wow. And, you know, Steve, before then, the reason I think all those years, I really, even though I kind of knew it was a, a better way of eating, but didn't do it, 
one of the reasons was I was always told that eating a much healthier diet would reduce your chances of getting disease. And that word, reduce your chances, um, that phrase, it kind of implied to me, yeah, you might make all of these sacrifices, but in the end, you're only going to reduce your chances. You still might get these terrible diseases. Right. And um, it just didn't seem worth it to me because all those foods were so yummy. I thought, I'm not going to do this just to reduce my chances. But when I learned about eating whole food, plant-based, and the power of it to actually not just reduce my chances, but virtually, not completely, but virtually eliminate my chance of getting most of the serious illnesses that plague us in, in the you know Western world, I just thought to myself, wow, this is the way you're supposed to be feeding the human body. The human body has a diet that's suited for it, that the, the right fuel, you know, that makes it run. And this is that fuel. And if I just feed my body the right fuel, it's actually going to run beautifully for the most part. And I'm going to actually eliminate my chance of getting most of these diseases. So that had a powerful effect on me that day. And by lunchtime, I was just committed to eating this way. Um, I felt like I had the, the lights had come on and I was filled with joy having discovered this. I thought nobody else in my world is going to think this is exciting or believe this, but I really can see the power of this. I, I'm so excited. So I remember that Saturday at lunchtime, I looked in my fridge and I said, what can I eat? That's whole food, plant-based. And I saw some corn on the cob. I took it out. I heated up. No butter, which was a first for me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little salt, but you know, I really enjoyed that corn on the cob. I just loved the taste of it. Now I have to admit, by dinner time, I was completely um, confused as to what I could possibly eat next because I'd eaten all the whole food, plant-based <laughs> stuff in my fridge. So it wasn't easy from then on, but but I never lost my enthusiasm from then on. And and my story is a little unusual that way. It's much more usual for people to, you know, take baby steps towards this way of eating, which I think is great, which is wonderful, which is natural, which is good. But I just that day I did a 180 and I have literally eaten whole food, plant based every day since. Wow. So all at once, just cold turkey. Cold turkey, as it were. <laughs> Except without the turkey, right? Right. Um, sometimes I call it an answer to a question I didn't ask. I wasn't looking for mm. it. I didn't think I needed it. It wasn't going to resolve my health issues. I was up to that point. I was actually so wrapped up in, in this question about should I have this surgery or not um, that I really was solely tunnel vision on that. So I wasn't really thinking about diet at all. Mm. Um, but this came up and it just spoke to me clearly. I mean, for me, I don't want to impose this on anyone else, but to me, this was this just spoke of truth. I felt it throughout my whole being and it filled me with joy. And so even though that didn't answer my problem, my health issue, it totally changed my life because my life became so filled with joy over having discovered this way of eating and getting involved in this that I really took a, a big turn. Um, I didn't have a lot of um, health issues that could be addressed by diet at the time. I I did have a few niggling worries and concerns, and um, 
now in retrospect, you know, 10 years later, I realize those things would have become more serious over time. But at the time, they were just kind of little bothersome things. But what I noticed over the next year is that all those niggling little health worries just evaporated. First of all, mm. my weight, um, I had I had toiled for like six years or something to to lose like 20 or 30 pounds that I was uh, I was like 50 or 60 pounds overweight. I, I lost about half of that through toil and grinding away, eating less food, depriving myself. But over the next, um, you know, nine months, less than a year, I lost the other, you know, 20, 25 pounds. And um, I had, um, for example, a blocked saliva gland in my uh, in my uh, face. And when I ate too much, then it would just really swell up. And that went away. I had dry, itchy eyes. Uh, that went away. I had some uh, constipation. I had high cholesterol. I had um, leg cramps at night. So, you know, they weren't serious, but there were small things that can develop into big things. Right, yeah. I wasn't really necessarily expecting it, but as I changed my diet, just all those issues melted away. And on top of that, I just felt fantastic, full of energy and, again, full of joy. Awesome. So at what point after after kind of starting this and learning about it, did you, did you decide to start creating content um, such as the book, the website, and all these other things? Like what what came first? What was the... What was the motivation for getting involved in those types of projects? Well, Steve, like a good Latter-day Saint, I quickly became a missionary for <laughs> this way beating. I I honestly didn't think other people would be interested. I mean, the mm. diet is pretty ra- radical. It's it's not just plant-based, meaning you know you're eliminating animal foods, meat, dairy, and eggs, but it's also whole foods. So you're not eating processed foods, including oils which seemed extremely radical to me at the time. So I really thought nobody's going to be interested in this, but you know, maybe they will. So that same Saturday, I started emailing people because this was a, I'd seen the preview for the show, The Last Heart Attack, and I emailed people I know, knew and I said, got to watch the show when it comes on. And I think actually I've, I just continued to email and talk to people about this every day since then. I mean, I was continually sharing my joy and and excitement about this, um, you know, never, you know, necessarily expecting them to change, but just saying, Hey, why don't you check this out? This has been so exciting for me to learn about. And as I emailed people, people or talk to people, they would email me back and ask questions. So I would have to respond and provide resources. And naturally, because, um, I'm a Latter-day Saint, many of my friends, uh, associates are Latter-day Saints, and they would ask questions about the word of wisdom. And I myself asked questions about the word of wisdom. I think even that same day, that Saturday um, in August, I opened up the scriptures that evening and looked at what what they said. And I found, you know, great harmony between what was in section 89 and what I'd been just been taught um, about a whole food plant-based nutrition. So it just filled me again with joy and reinforcement. So other Latter-day Saints would ask me about the word of wisdom. I'd reply and pretty soon... They're asking more questions, and so I'd start to have some standard responses, and then hmm. even a short little teeny little paper, you know, I could just send them, and then I thought, I need to expand this paper. I need to make it kind of like really a good substantial paper that kind of answers everyone's questions because it was becoming quite, quite time-consuming to make custom responses to everyone. So I started to write a little more, and then 
I don't know, I think people started suggesting, why don't you write a book on this topic? And so that's what got me started. Hmm. Interesting. So, so your, your whole connection between the whole food plant-based diet and the word of wisdom that kind of evolved afterwards, you just kind of said, wow, this is a great way to eat. And did you, were you drawing any connections to doctrine and covenants 89 at that point? Or did that, that kind of come later? Yeah. As I said, um, that same Saturday, I, I looked up section 89 mm-hmm. and I saw immediately there's great harmony between whole food, plant-based nutrition and the word of wisdom. So that just gave me, that just doubled my enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting, you're, you're kind of sharing these emails with people and, and they're getting some interest, did any other people seem to uh, adopt the, the same type of diet or, or try to do some of the same things? Or were people more just kind of interested in the idea of it? Did anyone um, actually follow kind of down the same road you did? And did you offer them any advice or, or any counsel or clues as to how to get started? Yes. I, there were a lot of people interested in wanting to see the show. I didn't notice them necessarily converting at first, although I did have one big convert and that was my father. Oh, wow. Uh, I told him about this way of eating and he immediately adopted and he called it the word of wisdom way of eating, the word of wisdom (laughs) way. Nice. Um, you know, he was just, he, he was just had that same enthusiasm I had and just, it really adopted a hundred percent and really took off with it. And again, there were others who were interested. Um, but I don't remember a lot of people adopt, in fact, anyone adopting it right away. In fact, I remember feeling quite lonely at first. I thought, I don't know anyone who eats this way, or at least anyone in my area. There are people online, but I thought, I just need to find someone in Utah who eats this way. So I was searching, searching, and I finally like called the Seventh-day Adventist Church because I knew a lot of them eat more plant-based. And I talked to a lovely woman and well, really idea. enjoyed our um, and then at the time, my home teachers, uh, this is what, a time when we had home teachers, and I learned that um, his boss actually ate this way. So, and his boss worked at Brigham Young University. It's where I work. And so I met with his boss and his boss's wife, and uh, they don't live too far from me. And we went out to dinner together. And this was the first time I met someone who ate this crazy way of eating. And <laughs> it was just someone else. You know, it's funny looking back now, Steve, because um, now I know hundreds of people here in Utah who eat this way. Um, some of them, you know, I've introduced this way of eating too, but there's lots of good information out there. So I find there are not just hundreds, but thousands of Latter-day Saints who have, um, you know, come to this way of eating through their own research and, and study and prayer. Yeah, I, I've i noticed the kind of this growing trend of seeing references to the whole food plant-based diet all over the place, even in, you know, food apps and different things like that, you'll see references to it all over. So I think it's becoming more and more commonly known and, you know, just kind of like your, your father, that's, that's kind of been my own personal way of looking at it is, is I'll get asked every now and then, uh, are, well, are you a vegan? Or are you a vegetarian? And even by members of the church. And I, I've kind of debated, I don't know if you've had 
and you've probably had some of these same discussions with people, but I always kind of feel a little odd saying, well, I'm, I'm just trying to live the word of wisdom because then it's kind of like implying that, that, oh, they're not, <laughs> you know, and I never liked the idea of trying to use this as some kind of, you know, virtue signal or, or something like that to where, um, you start to get preachy about things. Cause I do, I live in Texas and it's barbecue and hunting all over the place. It, this is, is definitely not the best place to, uh, to try to live this way, but it, it certainly has its, its interesting moments. And for the most part, it's, uh, it's doable and it's been great. But what about from your side? Like, what do you, what do you say to people when they, they ask you about different things. Cause I'm, I'm sure you get asked the same questions about being a vegetarian or a vegan. And how do you respond to people when, when they kind of confront you with those questions? I was an enthusiastic missionary for this way of eating from the very start. And, um, I, I personally never approached it from I'm eating the word of wisdom way. Um, because like you, I kind of felt like that might, I mean, I feel like that might imply to the people that they were not. And I certainly right. didn't want to do that. I really just approached it from, I've discovered this way of eating and it's just really made a difference. And I'm so excited about it. It's called whole food plant-based and, you know, it's a heart attack proof diet, or I'll just share some of the benefits or some of the joy I felt, or, and I'll ask them, are you interested in learning anymore? You know, would you like to see anything? Or I'll just share my experience. And I really just gauge it on the person. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, I've started this conversation just from scratch with lots and lots of people and just really depends on the person, where they're at, what their, what their initial interest is. I remember a couple of times, you know, I, I've said more than the person was interested in hearing, maybe more than a few times, but for the most part, I just try to, I just try to say a little or a lot, depending on whatever interest they show back and I'll just share what I'm doing. And if they're Latter-day Saint, it's quite common that they'll say, oh, well, that sounds like the word of wisdom, or how does that fit with the word of wisdom? So I generally allow them to bring that up and, and make those connections themselves. I I very rarely get assaulted, with the, you know, that, that word. I wouldn't use that word. I, I don't know what it is about the way I do it, but people have been extremely respectful and actually even enthusiastic and happy for me. And I really don't get challenged or criticized or, you know, attacked at all. They'll just ask respectful questions and I, I'm delighted to respond, but I try to be extremely respectful. Um, I personally don't call what I do either vegan or vegetarian because those have some other connotations. I, I think um, both of those are wonderful ways of going, but this is a, this diet is slightly different. So I, I just prefer to use the the term whole food plant-based. Right. It, it seems to me that with veganism and vegetarianism, there's, there's more of an emphasis on don'ts versus do's. And, mm. and, um, you know, I, I've, I've looked into both of the, and there, and there's lots of different types of vegetarians. There's vegetarians that eat eggs and fish and, and dairy and some that don't. And then, you know, veganism is this whole other philosophy, um, not just about avoiding meat, but uh, how human beings should interact with animal life. 
And some of those things are are kind of out of harmony with DNC eighty nine, and and so I I haven't really found any of those as being something that I would say that um, that accurately reflect what what I'm doing in my life. But again, kind of like you said, I I see a lot of good in what they do. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of vegans that are very much against um, some of the the way we've industrialized animal life into making them into a kind of a product. And there's, there's a lot of, um, not just the, the suffering, but you have a lot of very sick animals that are being fed to the American people that are pumped with all kinds of drugs and, and things. And, and when you look at that whole industry, it's, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem like this is something that God would smile upon, you know, and I've, you've mentioned that in your book as well. Um, you've kind of talked a little bit about that. So one of the things that I've, that I've been thinking about for a while and, and where I'd like to kind of get some of your, your thoughts on this is, is how do we go from looking at the word of wisdom like like it's just a diet because it's so much more than that there are all these other parts to it but it seems like every time we we discuss the word of wisdom it's always about not doing drugs and using tobacco and drinking alcohol and and caffeine which it it the whole caffeine thing seems to have kind of i i think that one at least here in Texas, I'm not sure how it is in Utah, whether that's still a really strong thing. It may be in different parts of the country and different um, people's families even. But it seems like we focus so much on the the food aspect of it that we miss some of these other really great components of the word of wisdom. So when it, and I think you may have answered this a little bit when you were saying, Hey, I, I found this really great diet and you let people make the connection between the word of wisdom. And then you can explain how those fit together. I like that a lot better than saying, Oh, I love the word of wisdom. This is exactly what I do. And this is how I think it should be done. And, and putting an inordinate amount of pressure on another person who hasn't traveled the same road as you and, and doesn't see it the same way. Cause they haven't seen what you've seen or experienced what you've experienced. And so it's very foreign. And so what are your, what are your thoughts on that about the word of wisdom, the whole food plant-based diet? How do we, what's a good way of reconciling those things and making sure that we, we kind of see them as what they are and not kind of let it all merge together into just being reduced to a diet. I really like what you said, because I actually don't think, whole food plant-based is the same thing as a word of wisdom. And I've even written about this. I wrote an article on um, Ready Magazine, why whole food plant-based is, is not the word of wisdom. Awesome. The word of wisdom is really so much more. And I think we really, to understand the word of wisdom, we need to start by understanding the doctrine. Uh, like you, I, I really love Elder Bednar's distinction between doctrines, principles, and applications. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, uh, the doctrine, the word of wisdom is not really spelled out clearly. It's, it, you know, the, the spirit of it is in there, but more the scriptures as a whole talk about what I would call the doctrine. I think the doctrine is really goes back to 
we were made in the image of our heavenly parents, our father and our mother and our savior, Jesus Christ. We're literally made in their image. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're houses of divinity, of deity. They're stewardships we've been given. In fact, we know one of the primary reasons we're here on this life is to receive this sacred temple, this body that we have, and this opportunity we've been given from our Savior to care for this body, to care for it as a holy tabernacle of the divine beings that God is, that we are. And to me, this is so beautiful because um, so many of us here in the West, we we tend to despise our body or, or be frustrated with our body or even hate our body or feel guilty about our body. There's many very unhealthy ways we have interacting with our body. And in my mind, no matter what our body looks like, how functional or dysfunctional, whatever our diet is, first and foremost, um, every body is sacred and holy and deserves to be treated with um, respect and gentleness. And, and we deserve respect and gentleness. So I'm, that's really the foundation and the whole mindset that I have about the word of wisdom. And that is this beautiful gift of a body we've been given. And then we have this invitation and some principles in the word of wisdom to help us. And we know principles are not specifics. Um, don't eat tobacco is not a principle. That's an application. So I think we're invited by the word of wisdom to say, well, what are the principles? We're told, you know, there's some specific language in there that looks like application, but to me, those are pointers towards a higher divine, doctrinally-based guidelines that we can discern. For example, all the don'ts, maybe maybe the principles more, don't take things into our bodies that are harmful and that are addictive. Yeah. So that's that's a whole different way of thinking about those don'ts than don't you know do alcohol, tobacco, coffee, and tea. Because if we think of it as our body's a temple, don't take things into our body that are harmful, then that really brings a whole new light to a question of, am I going to drink this caffeinated soda? Uh, the caffeinated soda does, is not listed as a no-go in the word of wisdom by name. Um, will drinking one cup really damage our body temples? Probably not. So it's not necessarily a black and white, but it's the principle. You know, I've got this body. I love it. I treasure it. I want to treat it right. If I drink lots of diet soda or whatever every day? Is that really treating my body the best it can or can I do better? So I think I think once we understand the principles, don't take in things that are harmful, don't take anything in that's addictive, it really goes beyond the specifics there. You know, there's just some applications there. There's another principle about eating wholesome herbs or that means wholesome plants. Well, what does the word wholesome mean? And if we study that and try to understand it, then that can reveal to us what it might mean for us to eat wholesome herbs. And then there's, you know, meat, the flesh of animals, um, yes, ordained for the use of man to be used sparingly and preferably um, only in times of need, winter, cold, and famine. What might that principle mean? And then there's principle about, about grain being ordained as a staff of life. So there's some beautiful principles there. And I think um, the beauty is, and I think the church is wonderful at this, the church is trying to teach us correct principles so that we can then, based on those and based on our own experience and research and prayer, we can decide what the specific applications are for our lives. Yeah, I like that. And I almost would kind of throw in 
to Elder Bednar's kind of three categories, doctrines, principles, and applications. Um, almost between principles and applications, I would put illustrations. And that's kind of how I think of of some of the descriptions that we find in the Word of Wisdom, because the Lord refers to it as a principle with a promise. And then he gives several examples like, hey, this can be, this is not for this, but it can be used for this. But we we kind of convert them into actual applications and we we take them literally and you know maybe some of those things you can take literally but overall like you said it, it's for us to kind of ponder our own situation and discover for ourselves whatever situation we find ourselves in how we can obtain the mind and will of God and then conduct ourselves accordingly. And, and what's, what's most interesting to me about DNC 89 is the Lord doesn't send it by commandment or constraint. And to me, this is, this is kind of unusual. I'm not sure how many other times in the scriptures, God says, Hey, I'm going to share my will with you. And, and here's a principle, but I'm not going to, I'm not commanding you to do any of this. I'm at, I'm just sharing my will with you and I'm telling you what the promises are. It, it's for you to accept or reject, you know, and it's not for you to impose on other people, but here it is. And this was, to me, it felt like something very unique in, in all of the other scriptures that we have this, this kind of invitation from the Lord and and what I, what I found really compelling about it is, is this idea that he left a door open for people to um, apply this individually, which means you're going to have a whole church full of people that are going to be making different decisions based on what they understand the principle to be. They're going to apply things differently. And it, and it's it can turn to this kind of contention, and so I, I've wondered if the word of wisdom was was also kind of put here to for us to wrestle with and and figure out how to kind of tolerate some of the different interpretations that we have. But then there's this fine line of, well, at, at what point are you drifting into apostasy versus may, being true to the principle? Mm. Is, is that even for us to judge against another person or not? At, at what point do you warn someone if, if you feel like they're, they're going too far over? Uh, or, or do you just kind of hold your peace and, and say, well, we're, they're just doing what they feel like they need to do. It, it's, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a paradox, I feel. So anyway, I, I threw a lot at you. Uh, so yes, I'm, <laughs> do you have any, any thoughts or ideas about any of those things? Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, it's interesting. The Temple Recommend interview question now is just simply, do you understand and obey the word of wisdom? Yeah, right. They don't go into specifics. You get to judge for yourself. And I love it how in verse 3, the Lord says that this principle, the promise is adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints. And I think that um, goes to the fact that we can each read the word of wisdom and we can get something out of it that speaks to where we are in our journey. And we can do that one thing. 
Um, and it may not be the same as our brother or sister, and that's just fine. Um, it's interesting you said that this revelation is unique, and I, I agree it's unique, not by commandment or constraint. Uh, of course, church leaders have tried to clarify at least some, some basics and just some bare minimums to try to help us because, as a matter of fact, it took the Latter-day Saints almost 100 years to even get down the basics. But I wanted to speak to that point about it being unique because, um, interestingly, in the context of other religions, the way this is done is not very unique. I've I've researched other religions. Many of them have some dietary guidelines and counsel but very rarely is that um, used very strictly. Much more, it's used the way the word of the dietary council and the word of wisdom is used. It's um, it's guidance, it's suggestion, it's encouraged. But it's not usually you must do this, or we're going to banish you or excommunicate you. I, I think yeah. I think that's just the wisdom of the world over the years. The fact is, most of our ancestors, ancestors did not even have a lot of choice about what they ate. They just need to eat whatever they could to survive. Yeah. So that's number one. But number two, even in our modern age, where we actually could be very you know, specific about what we eat, the fact is people are extremely, as we all know, extremely sensitive about their food. Yeah. Um, some people, it's extremely hard for them to change their food at all. I mean, they're meat and potatoes. And if they eat any vegetables, it's peas or carrots, and that's it. I mean, they just don't have much tolerance. Or they're just feel their self identity almost is wrapped up in their food, and so there's a lot of variability, variability there. And yeah. I think there's just great wisdom in it being given in this more soft way, in this um, encouraging way. And of course, that encouragement. There's a lot of, um, you know, real great blessings pronounced in the word of wisdom. I mean, there's this whole like third of the word of wisdom that's devoted to these amazing blessings about running, not be weary, walking, not faint, hmm. about finding wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures about uh, the promise that the destroying angel will pass us by, even as the children of Israel. I mean, these are quite inspiring. And and I think, and I love the way um, there's not a heavy, heavy hand in it, but there's these beautiful promises. So it really is this beautiful principle of the promise. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's kind of funny when you you can keep coming back to the scriptures over and over again. And I've often thought of them like a mirror where a mirror is always the same. You could come back to it over the course of 3000 years and, and the mirror will still do its job. It will reflect and, but we change. So every time we come back to the mirror, we see something different. It's kind of like that saying, you never step in the same river twice. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, with a mirror. And, and I see the scriptures like that. They, they reflect our own understanding back to us. And, and I remember uh, one of the things I've mentioned before is, is um, it was 2003. It was an Institute fireside, I believe. And it was Boyd K. Packer. And he said that the, the, the word of wisdom is only incidentally about health. And he went in talking about these other blessings. He goes, you know, your body's going to get old and die but the main point is that these, you know, he talked about, like, like you suggested at the beginning, you know, the body's a temple and that's a very critical thing to understand, but that as we age, these, these patterns of revelation will increase in our lives. And, and too often, you know, we, we look at these blessings and there, there's a warning in here too, talking about, um, 
evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men. So we have that. And then, you know, the one of the really big ones for me is the very last verse where the Lord's giving us a promise that the destroying angels shall pass by them as the children of Israel. And, and that was the last of the plagues that was poured out upon Egypt. And it was, um, probably the most dramatic of the plagues because it, it ended the slavery and, and allowed the children of Israel to, to go free with their lives intact. Those that, that obeyed. And so you have all of these, these interesting threads that are woven through it that, that I, I don't know that many really take that, that seriously, but, and maybe, maybe we do, but we grow up in these cultures where everyone around us is just kind of doing the same thing. It just kind of like how I grew up. And, and that's why I can't be too hard on other people because I lived the standard American diet. And, and when you look at the Texas diet, it's its own thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's barbecue. It's, it's a very heavily cultural thing. The, the hunting, the barbecue, all these different things, they're, they're kind of woven into the culture and even the church culture. And it was a very difficult thing for me to, um, separate from some of those things and maintain that separation. And I, like you, I've experienced nothing but support and understanding from the people around me. It's been phenomenal. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult because changing habits is a very hard thing. And especially changing something is, as, uh, intense as a diet. Cause a lot of times we go to food, not just for nutrition, but for comfort, for experiences, for cultural connections between people and to upset or change that, um, just spontaneously is, is very difficult and, and making these kinds of connections between, you know, what you may be taking into your body and what the word of wisdom is saying. I mean, I got to tell you for years and years, I was actually pretty terrified about DNC 89. Um, and some of the things it said, I just kind of read past those things. And I said, I'm not really going to think about it too much because I look around, doesn't seem like anyone else is worried about it. So I'm not going to worry, <laughs> worry about it either. You know? So I, I think it can be very hard. And, um, over the years, I've just, I've just learned to kind of be a lot more understanding of other people and realize, look, if the Lord isn't going to command or constrain me, then I have no business commanding or constraining others. Yes, I totally agree with that. So in, in looking at, and looking at these, these verses and, and just kind of DNC 89 as a whole, how has, how has your thinking about the word of wisdom changed based on just adopting the whole food plant-based diet? I know we've talked about some of those things, but have there been any, um, any kind of other revelations that, that you've had in terms of, of how you understand these things just by kind of going on this journey? Like, what do you understand today that you wouldn't have been able to see before? Well, you mentioned hearing Elder Boy K. Packer um, talk about the word of wisdom, not so much about food, but he actually said it's about revelation. And that's really what I've experienced in my life. I have, 
as as I mentioned, I didn't really have a lot of big health issues, so I didn't necessarily see as dramatic change in my health as some other people have had miraculous changes. But in terms of my spiritual life, I've seen dramatic changes in becoming so much more sensitive to the Spirit, so much more sensitive to revelation from God, so much more sensitive to some beautiful um, insights and understandings about gospel principles. Um, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't consider myself any more spiritual, certainly, than the average, you know, member of the church who eats whatever kind of diet. I, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just suggesting I am more spiritual than I used to be yeah. because yeah. of the way I'm eating. And so a lot of revelation has flooded into my mind and specifically asked about the word wisdom. I mean, the beauty and the sanctity of the human body. I have such a such much deeper love and appreciation, understanding of that area, which is so foundational. Another area is, is the beauty of um, of the earth and the animals on this earth. I've never been a big animal person. I greatly admire people who choose to live the word of wisdom for the sake of animals. But, you know, when you eat animals, you have a different view of them. When you stop eating animals, suddenly... Things look very, very different, and you see animals in a much different way. You see their their beauty, their um, really their divinity, the, the holiness, the the wonder. And you see the joy in the animals, and you see um, how miraculous they are, and what beautiful creations. And and you see how much God must love them, and how sad He must be about the way we treat them, and about the earth, how beautiful it is, and and to realize that a plant based diet is so much more protective and supportive of the, of our precious earth resources than is an animal um, food-based diet. And so that you give it, get a whole different idea about the environment and stewardship. So these are just a few of the blessings that have come to me as I've um, changed the way I've eaten. And, and the beautiful thing is too, Steve, um, I see many other Latter-day Saints taking the same road. I, I never talk to members of the church about eating this way based on the environment or based on the animals, um, because that's not usually the thing that um, excites most Latter-day Saints at the beginning. We're, we're kind of a little insensitive in that area. Not all. There's many Latter-day Saints who do take that up and, and are, are thrilled by that. But but what I do see is that, you know, a lot of Latter-day Saints are interested in good health and they want to, and they want to get out from underneath these crippling diseases they may have or be concerned that they might develop or that might continue to get worse. And as they change their diet, as they stop eating animal foods, as they eat more wholesome foods, they experience the same things I do in terms of a greater love and sensitivity for the earth and for the animals, and also a greater joy and love and desire to care for their own um, body and, and, and a greater appreciation for the beautiful foods that God has created, these wonderful plant foods that we um, kind of uh, dismiss. You know, we just we we don't eat the potatoes. We eat potato chips. You know, it's, it's that difference. It's like we eat um, strawberry gushers rather than actual strawberries. It's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I see this, and so there's really so much that has come out of that. And I I, th I think of those as you know experiencing some of the promises of the Word of Wisdom. Yeah, one of the things that I that I found that can be a little bit of an obstacle to people. And, and, but I think there's some tremendous benefits to it, but that's actually learning how to prepare food and, and cook food. Uh, when you, when you're, I mean, even when you're eating a, a whole food based diet, when you're cutting out some of these processed things, um, 
there, there are a lot of skills that a lot of people may not have when it comes to actually cooking and, and preparing food. They may be buying frozen foods and heating them up, getting chicken nuggets, bags of chicken nuggets for the kids, microwaving them and, you know, throwing those out there. And, and then you, you come around to, to eating whole foods and you go, okay, well, what does that, what does that look like? What am I going to be? It, it kind of like you described at first. Okay. What do I eat now? I, I kind of had the same, same, uh, little bit of crisis. Now I've, I've always liked to cook. I'm not a, I'm not a great chef or anything, but I like to cook and prepare food. So it was a little tricky at first figuring out what things I was going to do. Now I, I did kind of the same thing as you. I pretty much went cold Turkey, um, and didn't really turn back. I've adjusted some things over time. Uh, just as my understanding has kind of evolved and, I've gained new insights. I, I kind of have some different perspectives I've gained, and I'm, and I'm sure that's going to continue throughout my entire lifetime. I'll probably still be learning and changing and tweaking. But um, yeah, I, I I went to my fridge and and took everything out immediately, reorganized the fridge, and then I decided, okay, well let's let's figure out what, what you're going to cook. And you know, honestly, a lot of the meals I was preparing at the very beginning. I didn't really realize at the start how much more you have to eat when it comes to plants um, because in, in order to get it, all of that nutrition, you need to eat a lot more vegetables than you did before. Like a little tiny, you know, five leaves of spinach is not a full serving. It's like two giant handfuls, you know, uh, you end up finding out and, and, you know, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm, I'm six foot. 220. I go to the gym, I lift weights. And, and so I, I needed a lot of food to kind of, to kind of keep me going. And, um, I would burn through a lot of those foods. Now they were very nutrient dense, but they weren't very calorically dense. And so I needed to kind of amplify those calories and, and adjusting from a calorically dense diet to a, a less calorically dense diet is, is a little bit of a a little bit of a change. And, and so I, I think a, a lot of people are kind of kept from making those changes because it sounds like a lot of work, but you know, some of the pros is you, you get to where preparing your meals becomes, it kind of becomes sacred because you're preparing your meals with a purpose behind them, not just to eat or whatever, but you're realizing that the things you're specifically choosing, you got to be careful what you're choosing because you're, you're building something, you're adding something to your, um, to your body, your temple, and you're keeping your temple in good repair. So it can house the spirit and, and you can have the, that revelation. And I think when you tie a lot of those threads together, you, it becomes kind of an exciting thing once, once those things kind of fall into place. And, and in your story, I kind of see that reflected. You began to, all these little threads kind of came together and, and it said, you said it brought you joy and you wanted to share it. And I think that's pretty much the reaction whenever you latch onto a true principle is, is joy and the desire to share. Um, I, I've always found that to kind of be a, an interesting association with, with truth. 
Yeah. And I'd like to reflect if I could for a minute about, you know, you're trying to get enough calories. I think that's the, of course, that's the main purpose of food. We forget that because we now usually consume too much calories, but when you go whole food, plant-based and eat healthy foods, um, it's less calorie dense. So you actually need to eat greater volume of food. Mm -hmm. And and that points also back to the word of wisdom, because one of the principles in the word of wisdom is stated in um, section in, in verse 14, all grain, or is, it, is ordained for the use of man and a beast to be the staff of life. The staff of life is really the staple of the diet, the foundation. And um, and so grain, we need to realize, is, is one of the most calorically dense of the plant foods. Mm-hmm. And that is where the, the, the bulk of humankind throughout history has received the bulk of their calories. And again, pointing to, uh, you said, the use of the the word examples or illustrations of the application. I think, I think grain is actually an illustration of a bigger principle, which is to eat a a diet that is more starch based. That's where we get the bulk of our calories. Um, not just grains, but of course, uh, potatoes and other tubers and, and beans. These are all starch foods. If I could just mention, Steve, I, I think really there's three great challenges to changing to a, to radically healthier diet. Um, and there, in two of these, uh, well, you might say there's actually four, um, two of these, um, seem extremely challenging, but are actually relatively easy to resolve. The other two, uh, can be more challenging and continue to be more challenging. So the first I think is just your taste buds are, are not used to eating this way. We're used mm-hmm. to highly processed foods, to animal foods, and that's distressing at first. You may not actually like the taste of God's wholesome plant foods. Right. I mean, we're just used to eating, you know, even corn on the cob without butter and, and lots of salt or something. So getting used to that, those tastes takes some time. For me, I didn't like the food at first. It tasted bland. Um, I was very unhappy with the food. I was so excited about it. And I was kind of upset that God showed me this great way of eating, but then he didn't make the food yummy. <laughs> I just was, what's going on here? I can't eat this way the rest of my life. And and this went on and on and on and on. I thought, how am I going? I, I didn't know how to cook. I'm not a cook at all. Zero cooking. I was more chicken nuggets gal. But um, <laughs> this just seemed to last forever. But I, I persisted. And and now, 10 years later, looking back, I realized that time period was only like seven or eight weeks. I mean, now it's nothing. At the time, it seemed like a big deal. But really, your taste buds change if you just hang in there. So that's, that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is really how to cook, what to eat. And um, yes, that's hard at first. I was on the internet. I was on forums. I was saying, what do I eat? What's simple? What's easy? What's super easy and and uh, super tasty? And, you know, these are kind of sometimes unrealistic expectations. But, mm. you know, that's challenging at first. But, you know, even a person like me with zero cooking skills, I mean, if I wanted to cook an egg, I Googled it. How do you do this? I wasn't sure. But, you know, it, it takes you a little time. But now, you know, it's super easy for me to feed myself. I actually enjoy it. I enjoy uh, simple cooking now, and, and I love the foods that I eat. They're totally delicious. After that seven to eight week period, I've loved all the food I eat practically. You know, it just is wonderful. I got always lots of yummy food to eat. The third challenge, um, um, I'd say, is probably food addiction. That is really a very serious oh. challenge, and I, I don't want to say a lot about that, but. Um, particularly for Latter-day Saints, I mean, for people everywhere, and this is true throughout history, life is hard, mortal life is hard, and we often turn to substances or activities that are kind of unwholesome to try to um, stuff our 
feelings down, to not face what's happening, to numb ourselves. And for other other peoples, they can they can drink alcohol, they can smoke, they can do drugs. I mean, they can do things we can't do. We don't. We Latter Day Saints, we don't have a lot of things we can turn to, except for food. We've we've considered food to be the legal indulgence. And um, with a whole food plant-based diet, you find you can't even turn to food. And I really think the Lord is telling us through the word of wisdom, let's not turn to anything. Let's turn to God. Hmm. Let's turn to inner wisdom. Let's turn to the Holy Spirit. Let's not depend on things besides God. But but dealing with a food addiction, that can be a challenge. And, and the last challenge I want to mention is the social element. Um, like you said, um, there in Texas and everywhere, food is highly related to our social relations. And sometimes for some people that becomes extremely challenging. People may mock them. People may not support them. People may try to sabotage their diet. People may criticize them or people may make them feel um, different or people may be perfectly accepting, but you're the type of person who feels extremely uncomfortable eating differently than other people. Even I'm not as sensitive to these social pressures as some other people, but even I have felt those social pressures. They are very real. They can be very intense. Um, that one, I think, is a little easier to um, to manage, and um, very, it is manageable, but it really kind of depends on your personality. So I just want to say there's help. You know, For example, the social thing is Health Live 2. Facebook groups, one is um, the Discovering the Word of Wisdom book support group, and the other is the Word of Wisdom challenge group. And you get on there, there's like hundreds of other Latter-day Saints who are doing the same thing, and they support each other, and, and they can see I'm not alone. There's other people eat like like I do. I, I've done potlucks. Well, before the pandemic, I did potlucks, and I plan to do it again in the mm. future where we can get, get together and, and eat this way. So I think um, finding ways to... Um, to make it work for you socially is very possible. Um, you know, your family may resist at first, but they're not likely to persist in being resistant. When you're respectful of the way they eat, they become respectful the way you eat, and they and they learn to respect what you're trying to do. And and we can work out ways um, to support and help each other. So I think there's definitely ways to um, to answer these questions. There's a lot of there's a lot of materials online about what to do if you're in a difficult social situation, what to do at restaurants, what to do at church gatherings, for example, what do you do at the Christmas dinner? Um, lots of good ideas. And so all these things are overcomable and, and, and very worth doing. Wow. I, I really like those four points. I think that's, that's very, very insightful. So you got your taste buds, how to cook and what to eat, food addiction, and then the social element. You know, while you were sharing that with me, it it kind of reminded me of of how it almost felt like <laughs> this is gonna sound it's gonna sound really weird. I'm gonna have to explain this a little bit. It almost sounded like a a second conversion, so to speak. It was almost like I was uh, um I was having this this kind of fresh new experience and this this kind of uh the same type of invigoration that, that maybe a new convert would have. But, you know, if you've grown up as a, a member of the church, you've always had this community around you. You've never really felt like an outsider. But when you start taking some of these steps, you, you kind of become a little bit of an outsider. Um, you know, I, I've, I've felt that here where the decisions I'm making 
even though I'm, even though I'm around other members of the church, I feel like I'm kind of making some decisions that have taken me a little bit outside of the church culture, you know, and, and, you know, for, a when, when the gospel is new to you, you gotta have to change your taste a little bit. You're going to, you're going to find things that may not be as palatable to you as they were once before, uh, they used to be, you have to learn how to do new things, you know, studying these scriptures and we have these callings and all of these new types of things that we have to figure out. And then you also have like the food addiction. There are other things, uh, other, uh, things from your past and your outside life that are continue trying to draw you back. And then you do have that social element as well. And so I I've thought a lot about this, this journey for me and how it, it helps me kind of understand the journey that other people take in, in joining the church. And I've, I've seen some different parallels there, but then you also have to guard against this feeling of, that, that whole kind of chosen people mentality where you feel like your choices place you above other people because they, they don't, you're not in a race against other people. It's between you and God. And, and you mentioned that earlier, how you, you know, you want to make sure you're not saying that you're, you're doing better, doing it right or more effectively than other people, but you're doing better than you were before. And you're gauging your progress against your own past progress. And then, so you have that kind of check. So every time these, these distinctions are in your life, you have to check yourself against the pride of thinking that just living a principle closer to God's ideal or what you think is God's ideal does not, does not put you above another person. So you got to keep, you got to keep putting that into check. And, and I think that's a good thing to reflect upon and it kind of exposes, okay, and what other ways am I acting like, like I'm better than other people? Where do I need to kind of pull back a little more? And so, so the deeper you dig into some of these things, the more it kind of reveals your own flaws and helps you see things in other people you couldn't see before. And at least in my experience, that's been something really uh, amazing to kind of witness and watch and, and struggle with. Yeah, I appreciate that. For me, um, I marvel at the way my fellow ward members live the gospel, the way they love their wives, the way they support and uh, care for their children, the way they care for their neighbors. Um, they may be fabulous in family history. They may be amazing missionaries. I mean, I see members of my ward and and members, you know, across the church, living the gospel in amazing ways that I hope to be able to learn from. So I certainly do not feel like I'm in a, any type of superior position. And I actually have not had, for me, that hasn't been one of my big challenges to feel superior in some way, because maybe I have an extra insight or two into the word of wisdom. I mean, the word of wisdom is not the most important part of the gospel by any means. It's a, we know the great commandments, love the Lord our God with all of our heart, might, mind, and strength, and our neighbors, ourselves. And and in that, I feel, you know, amongst the weak and the weakest of the saints. In fact, uh, when I think about the word of wisdom and, you know, how sometimes um, we do feel like we're not part of the same group, I mean, I think one thing we can do, and it's related to the word of wisdom in this very issue, is we can learn from 
the great humble member converts of our church. These converts come to enter the waters of baptism. They may have been smoking and drinking coffee and alcohol, and that might have been a very, very important part of their family life or their friend's life. All of a sudden, they are making a change that now they feel like they may feel like they're an outsider or their or their friends and family may feel like you're different from us now. Yeah. Well, you know, by embracing the gospel, they can they can they don't need to separate themselves from their family and their friends. They can say, no, I, I eat a little different, but I still love you and we're still family. And and this is not our, our relationship is not based on the foods that we eat. It's based on our love and our relationship. So we can learn those from those same principles just because we eat differently. There's lots of people that eat differently in the world. And now people are going gluten-free or keto or whatever. There's lots of people in our wards. We can be sensitive to the fact that other people have food allergies, for example. I think yeah. it's actually more common. So we can feel, you know, the, the fact is we're all humans and we all eat food. We don't have to feel like we're different. We We can overcome those because that feeling of distance is not an objective reality. It's a thought in our head. Yeah. One of the things that that's really kind of helped me out is, is actually Romans chapter 14. And it wasn't until I read a different translation than the King James that I, that I kind of understood what it was saying. Um, have you, have you kind of, uh, explored Romans 14 in, in reference to any of this? You know, um, I did quite a while ago, I think, at your encouragement. I think when I, we were working maybe on your on your story, I think you mentioned that. And yes, it's a beautiful um, chapter in the New Testament, um, St. Paul, some beautiful things there about honoring our brothers and sisters, you know, who Christ died for. I mean, yeah. I think it's powerful because, you know, as I said, foods, food is not, food is not the not the big question at the pearly gates, let's say. It's not going to be, you know, there's going to be plenty of people who eat terrible diets who get into the celestial kingdom, let's say that. Um, I think it's perfectly possible for someone to eat a terribly horrible diet and still make it to the celestial kingdom. Absolutely. But But it's also possible that those same people could have had a much higher quality of life during their mortal experience if they had eaten well. And this is, when you think about this, is the only time, the only time in all of mortality when eating right is important. Right. Before this life, we didn't have a body. We didn't eat. After this life, we don't need to eat food. And the food we eat is all celestial. It doesn't affect our body. Our body's not harmed. So this is kind of like this little sliver of time, this this mortal probation where we get a chance to really honor this body temple by eating properly. And so that's an, that's an opportunity but is it the most important opportunity? No, there's many other opportunities. There's, like I said, there's missionary work, there's, you know, food stores, there's helping your neighbor. I mean, and and, and most of all, there's those, that great commandment to love, to love our, our father and to love our neighbor. And that certainly comes before food. So like you said, Romans 14 seems to point towards that. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, <laughs> some of the things it says, just they're pretty funny. We must stop judging others. Um don't let your appetite destroy someone Christ died for. If you're hurting others by the foods you eat, you're not guided by love. Um, all foods are fit to eat, but it's wrong to cause problems for others by what you eat. Mm. <laughs> and, and at one point he says, hey, keep it a secret between you and the Lord. <laughs> right? Ultimately. And um, yeah, it is between us and God. Yeah. 
It, it's, it's very easy to see how any little thing in the gospel, we've been warned about having gospel hobbies, but some people obsess over one single aspect of the gospel so much, they do it at the exclusion of everything else. And, and it's, it's very easy for us to become so excited about something that we obsess over it. A wise approach to, to any progress in your spiritual journey can sometimes lead to um, error and misapplication. Certainly with this topic and, and many others, we're, we're not always going to see things the same way because our lives are so different. It's important to give other people the space that they're going to need to grow. Have you felt like you've ever kind of misapplied some of these things and had to kind of pull back and course correct? Have there been any of those types of moments and and if so, what types of things did you learn? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I I do, I've always taken a little, at least a little bit of a soft approach towards other people, but I continue to even dial that down. I just am very open about how other people choose to eat, choose to think. I feel very comfortable if they want to think a lot differently than I do. And um, I'm happy to share my journey. I'm happy to share resources. But if they feel better about a different direction, I... I'm happy for them and I and I don't want to be too heavy-handed. You need to do this, you need to do that or be really strict. I I'd rather encourage people to be gentle with themselves because sometimes we're just overly fixated on rules and and sometimes that's not healthy for us. We kind of get that um diet culture mentality. It can be very harmful and, and particularly you know women seem to be sometimes caught up in this more than anything. So I, I try to be supportive and not too hard nosed. Um, for myself, you know, I did that 180. I haven't looked back, but that's not the road for most people. And, you know, I'm very aware again, you know, when we, when we come to the, when we go to the other side, the great question is not going to be, what did you eat? Yeah. It's going to be, how did you care for you? It's how, how did you care for your neighbor? And so that's another thing I love about eating this way. I mean, because I'm healthier, I have more strength and energy to help other people. Hmm. I have the ability to, to serve a mission should I decide to. People, a lot of people would like to serve missions, but they can't because, the, you know, unfortunately, the way they've been raised, you know, the food they've eaten, it, it doesn't allow for a healthy body. They're not even able to make that choice. And so I think there's, um, I, I think I'd rather focus on those hmm. blessings of the word of wisdom, how they can help us to serve better and to feel closer to God. Um, rather than saying, well, I'm, I'm eating a good diet. That's going to give me brownie points in heaven. Yeah. I don't think that's the way God works at all. I, I don't I don't even believe in that type of doctrine. I, I know God loves all of us unconditionally um, and infinitely. And he's only, you know, our Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother, they want to bless us all they can. They've given us these beautiful principles um, for us to enjoy and to benefit from. But if we don't follow them, they're going to love us just as much. They're going to bless us just as much. And, and, and maybe they'll give us something else that can improve our lives in, in other ways. So I, I just don't think um, how we eat um, influences the way God looks at us or influences our, um, you know, our, our eternal salvation anyway. Um, but, it, but it is a great blessing and a principle of the promise that can make our mortal journeys um, more comfortable and um, can bring you know, great joy. 
Let's say we've got a couple different types of people listening to this podcast. Let's say somebody's listening to this and and a lot of this may be new to them and they have no idea where to even get started. They've heard some compelling ideas, but you know, we've referenced a, a lot of other different types of things, you know, the whole food plant-based diet. We've talked about some some of the scriptural aspects. What uh where does a person begin if they if they feel like there's something about this that's speaking to them and and they want to know more? Well, I think opening up to Doctrine and Covenant section 89, the Word of Wisdom, is a great place to begin. Reading it with a prayerful heart and just saying to yourself, "What's one thing I can learn from this today that I like to try to um, try to do?" And then actually doing it. I promise you, if you do the thing you feel inspired to do. The next time you read it, you'll get another idea and then another. I also want to suggest my website, discoveringthewordofwisdom.com. There's a menu at the top, and one of the menu items is basics. And if you go to basics, the first item there is called getting started. And there I have, um, I cover the three dietary principles in the Word of Wisdom. And um, I suggest some steps for getting started. The first, to study the Word of Wisdom and a whole food plant-based diet. And I provide some resources and number two, um, prepare to eat the word of wisdom way, as my dad would say, and give you some ideas about what to eat, recipes, meal plan, etc. And then number three, um, choose an approach to how you're going to change your diet. For example, option number one is going cold turkey like we did, or number two, going baby steps. And I have some other suggestions there. So there's lots of resources on my website. Um, there's plenty of others too at other places, but um, under, again, my website, <clears throat> I've got whole food plant-based guidelines, so you can see exactly what the diet entails. I've got also whole food plant-based resources, so you can see some of the best books and websites. I've got recipes. I've got how to eat this way, the easy way. So whole food plant-based made easy is one of the options you can choose. And so, um, and there's plenty of other resources, but there's some ways I suggest of getting started. Yeah, that's awesome. I I really like how how easy you make a lot of it sound too. You give people a lot of flexibility in, in how they can approach this. Like, I, I really like the idea that, Hey, this isn't something you have to just stop cold Turkey. You know, you can, you can kind of ease into it a little bit. And I really like all the stories of people that you've collected on your website. And it's great that you've been able to keep that up and, and reading a lot of those stories is is very inspirational. There's people from all over the place coming at it from so many different angles. And and anyone else who decides to take an interest in this, they'll have their own story. And it'll, it'll be, there's some things might be the same and some things might be very different. And that's, you know, that's a-okay. And I, I think that's yeah. a really important thing for people to understand because I, I think people get into this all or nothing approach. Um, when it comes to these types of things. Uh, well, there's many, many stories. I've got, you know, over 200 stories of Latter-day Saints who have um, shared their experience of going whole food plant-based. And, and they're just normal Latter-day Saints, like our listeners right now, who ate the normal kinds of food and just, they each have a very unique story. Yeah. And, and what would you say to someone listening who who's kind of pushing back against against a lot of these things? They may say, well, we're not we're not told by the leaders of the church today to to not eat meat. They're like, if this was really important, wouldn't we hear more talk about this? This is a question that that I've often heard people ask. 
and and they seem to think that that some of the discussions and ideas that we're sharing they're they're kind of looking beyond the mark and are or that that we're even really off track when it comes to some of these things because we're we're imposing upon um ourselves and other people things that are that are far beyond what, what god has commanded how would you respond to to someone who who's coming at it from from that type of mentality Oh, first of all, I'd confess, I'm sure I'm off track about many things. and <laughs> I'm sure I missed the mark on many things. And, um, and, uh, and I'm also fine for somebody to think this is not the path for them, or they don't think this is what the church is teaching. That's wonderful. If they want to go a different direction, um, all power to them, I support them. Um, but, you know, if someone's interested, I might point out that as a matter of fact, under the leadership of uh, President Russell M. Nelson, uh, a cardiovascular surgeon, by the way, um, the church has been emphasizing more aspects of the word of wisdom. We hear a lot less talk focused only on the prohibitions mm. and a lot more talk about eating healthy foods, vegetables, uh, eating wholesome grains, eating even eat, eating meat sparingly. That's become um, actually the way the church talks about the word of wisdom. If you look it up under the gospel talk topics essays, mm. They talk about all aspects of the Word of Wisdom, as they do in um, Strength of the Youth pamphlet, as they do in recent articles for the last few years in the New Era and the Enzyme, now the Liahona. Um, they don't just stop at the prohibitions. They mention these other aspects of the Word of Wisdom. Now, do they detail them? Do they tell you exactly how to interpret them? No. And I think that's great wisdom. Yeah. And again, the Templeman interview question is, do you understand and obey the Word of Wisdom? So each of us gets to decide for ourselves, do we understand and obey the word of wisdom? And I fully support all my brothers and sisters in their interpretation and their application of the word of wisdom. And I'm not going to say that mine is any any better than theirs at all. It just may be different. And I'm happy to share the joy that this has brought me. And um, I wish them, you know, wish them well, whatever they decide to do. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I I do like the the update to that question where they added the word understand because before it was just do you live the word of wisdom. Um but then now it it kind of puts a little bit more responsibility on a person to to really introspectively ask themselves, "Oh, do I understand it?" Maybe I need to go and and read and study more just simply by saying yes because in their mind they're like, they're like, well, uh, I'm not drinking any alcohol or, or smoking any cigarettes or doing any drugs. So yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but, but understanding it is, is a, a whole other level. And so I thought that was very wise to, to make that a little, that little adjustment there. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I do really, uh, kind of resonate with, with your approach to this in, in being very gentle with other people. I, I think that's a, I think that's a very good take. And if anything, um, you know, what you're doing is you're giving people more options to choose from. You're showing people that, Hey, there's, there's another way you could try this and it may extend your life. It may make you healthier and happier. And, um, it, it might lead you on a path that, that helps you learn some other really, really valuable things and maybe even unlock some of those things in, in Doctrine and Covenants section 89 that 
that might not be on your radar. And I think that's always a good thing, expanding the conversation and giving people more than less options for their mm-hmm. lives. Yeah, it's good. We have been discussing this for quite a while. I'd like to go ahead and, and just give the last word to you and feel free to say anything else that you'd like to add to this conversation. Well, thank you, Steve. And first of all, I just want to thank you for hosting me on your new podcast. And I'm excited to be a guest and uh, love talking about the subject. It's something I feel passionate about. It still brings me lots of joy. If I were to say a final word, I'd just like to say to any listeners that um, I want to bear my testimony that God loves you just the way you are. God loves your body. It is a temple, no matter how how it looks, no matter how functional or dysfunctional it may feel, no matter how you're eating, no matter how you're living, you are beloved of God, a cherished son or daughter of God. And um, I hope that you will be gentle with yourself, kind to yourself. Um, Life is hard. Life is very challenging. God knows this. He's given us... um, commandments, not a few, as Doctrine and Covenant says. Um, These are our blessing, but they're not to punish us. They're to help us to hopefully avoid some hardships in life. But avoid or not avoid, life is going to be hard. And um, no matter what choices we make, God is going to continue to love us. And I hope um, you will feel free to um, choose the path that seems to you to have the brightest hope. Um, whether it has to do with diet or something else, um, completely up to you. But I, I just want to voice my my optimism about who you are, what your potential is, and your divine worth as a as a child of God. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jane Birch, it was a pleasure speaking with you and having you on the show. And again, be sure to go check out discoveringthewordofwisdom.com. And I, I would definitely recommend her book because I think I still like to read. I still like physical books because I can write and mark things down. So it's great to have. But thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom and your story and your experiences with us. It was, it was a great experience. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Steve.